Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. It's Connor McDavid. He's got Darrell Walker, and he's got some room down the sidelines. McDavid to Everly. Dishes off. One time to the 30, 20, 10, 5. Score! Touchdown, Eskimos! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. When? When? A question you've all been asking yourselves and your fellow fans for so long over the last 10 years. When? Will they finally get in the playoffs again? Well, the answer could be in about 28 hours. That's how close we are to the Oilers at long last clinching a playoff spot and ending what has been known as the decade of darkness. Hey, they will clinch. Maybe it won't be tomorrow, but they'll have a good shot against the Los Angeles Kings. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. It's the next task I think our team has and um, you know the first opportunity is tomorrow and um, you know that's really all it is is an opportunity and a chance to uh, to play against a very good team they were in here a week ago they're going to be uh, a hungry group Um, they know where they are in the standings as well and and um, you know the opportunity tomorrow is is a big one for our team but um, we're not making too much out of it that's all it is and um, as we've moved on in these past few weeks, we've always parked the last game and the, and the last, whether it's been good, bad, ugly, great, it gets parked and we move on to the next day and try and get better. So um, tomorrow's that opportunity. We'll see what we do with it. I'd like to think we come out with a real good effort and, and then we move on. That is Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It is Inside Sports on 630 Chet at 6.08. I'm Reed Wilkins. Always happy to hear from you as well. The open line number 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. The Oilers beat Colorado 4-1 on Saturday. Had Sunday off back at practice today. They took the team picture in their orange jerseys before practice. Defenseman Matthew Benning was part of the picture he did not hang around for practice of course he blocked that shot off his uh, right knee with about 10 minutes left against the Avs and left the game coach McClellan expects Benning to skate tomorrow not sure if he will play but if he uh, doesn't play it uh, certainly doesn't seem like he'll be out for a long time so that's good news Benning was clearly uh, in a lot of pain as he left the ice on Saturday but a lot of the talk about clinching a playoff berth nailing it down and I I really get the sense just from being around the team, they understand the significance of it, but 
they are not overstating the significance of it. And and, and look, I, I think that uh, maybe it, it has more significance for the fans than it does for the players. And I don't want to say it's not significant to the players, but I think they want to create an environment there where they expect to be in the playoffs every year and that they're not going to throw a party just because they clinch. And let's face it, there's nobody on that team that has been on the on the team all 10 years that they've been out of the playoffs. So there's been, you know, more frustration and agony experiencing that for you, the fan, than for, for the Oilers as individual players. But it's a cohesive group. I think they're ready to get it done tomorrow. And I think they are focusing on the bigger picture. What's really interesting to me, and this is a great clip from Todd McClellan, he was he was asked if there was a defining moment at some point in the season or, or something that happened that maybe made him think like, oh, okay, maybe there's something really good about this year's team. You know, maybe this is going to be uh, the, the type of team that can fight and scratch it out and get in. And here's his answer. Standing here today, a moment that, that I reflect on and look back during our year was in game three or four maybe against Buffalo. We came to, uh, to training camp. We had a good camp. We were uh, alert. We paid attention to detail. We worked our butts off. We had a couple good games against Calgary and maybe, I don't know if Carolina was in there somewhere, maybe Buffalo was game four. And when we played against Buffalo, I saw a lot of habits, a lot of body language, a lot of commitment issues that we've perhaps seen in the past. And, um, you know, as you recall, there was a big kerfuffle about flipping a day off and all that type of stuff. Um, That day off... Uh, ended up not being a, you know, a whipping boy skate like everybody thought it was going to be. It was a structured uh, practice where we clarified things again. We had as much work off the ice as we did on the ice. And to me, that set our team up to, to get going. And that was going to be the tone we were going to have all year. Uh, we weren't going to let it slip. And, um, you know, from that point on, players, we had good stretches and bad stretches. And by no means are we done yet. But it, it became very uh, business-like every day, and we needed that. And I, I just think that was a moment. Did it turn the light on that we would have a chance to fight for first place? No, but it was something that needed to happen. So that's interesting. He's referring to game number three, that 6-2 loss to Buffalo. You probably remember that one. That was the game where there was that long flip shot from center that, that eluded Cam Talbot. And it was after the Oilers had swept the season opening home and home from Calgary. There was a lot of excitement. And then they had that big kerplunk against Buffalo. Well, they responded to that, and that was their only loss in the first eight games of the season. And, you know, I like how Todd put it, and, and I think that's the attitude that this team has adopted. He says it was businesslike. He said they set the tone that we were going to set all season. Okay, something bad happened. Let's, as he said in the earlier clip, let's park it. Let's deal with it. Let's get back to the details. Let's be reminded of the work that has to be done in order to be successful. And they had a five-game losing streak in November. And there hasn't really been, I mean, there's there's been stretches where you thought, well, they're not playing well, but they've still been able to scratch out points in a lot of those stretches. I mean, February, difficult month, nine road games out of 12. So you still went six and six in February. And then, you know, they've been 500 or better every month of the year, uh, except for November, and even somewhere the schedule were tough and, uh, and the opponents were tough. So... It's, it's interesting that he goes back to that very early in the season where he thought, okay, there's a good reaction 
to a bad situation. 613 Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Just something else I want to touch on here as well. And made me think of this after watching some highlights of this goal. It's off the draw. Kajula, one-timer score! Leon Dreisaitl. And with Maroon hurt, Kajula gets a chance and sets up the go-ahead goal. I was watching replays of that goal. That's the second goal from Saturday night. Kajula firing it over to Dreisaitl, who snapped in that one-timer. And then I was watching the replays, and I thought to myself, man, that is some sharp, aggressive, confident execution. By the t- I mean, that Kajula had to fire that pass almost as hard as a shot across the ice. And I, obviously I saw it live, but when I went back and watched the replay, it really struck me as, you know, there's a play by a team that is able to seize the opportunity for a chance and, and execute. No hesitation, no thinking, I don't know if that's going to work, or no fumbling the pass, or no, well, pass, you know, I needed to pass it this hard, but I didn't. And I, I just think that's a product of the work ethic and the commitment to the details in practice, recognizing the window for an opportunity to execute a play and then being able to execute it. You can text 63630. Uh, this texter who did not sign his or her name to the text says uh, they got awarded for being pathetic for nine years by getting McDavid. Otherwise, they would still be out. All right. Maybe. Let's, well, let's do all the what-ifs. Where would the Pittsburgh Penguins be if they hadn't won the Crosby lottery? Where would the Chicago Blackhawks be if they hadn't won the Kane lottery? Do you want to go into this discussion? Yes, drafts and draft lotteries exist to help bad teams. Hopefully you've been a sports fan long enough to realize that's been the case before the Oilers got McDavid. So don't waste my time sending in texts like that. All right, 780-496-0063. We're going to hear from Matt Hedricks when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. Hey, this is Jordan Eberle from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. NHL action this evening. Calgary and Colorado will play at 7 o'clock. Flames sitting in the first of the two wildcard spots in the West. They're three points back of Edmonton for third in the Pacific Division. Obviously, the Avalanche in a uh, distant last-place position in the NHL. That's coming up at 7. Coyotes and Blues scoreless about seven minutes into the game. After one, Chicago taking it to Tampa Bay. They're up 3-1. Early in the second period, it's Nashville 2 and the Islanders nothing. Also early in the second frame, Buffalo up 3-zip on the Panthers. And about halfway through the game, it's Detroit 2, Carolina 1. We'll keep you updated on those as we move on. I also want to say uh, congratulations to the Lacombe Generals. They win the Chinook Hockey League. They won the final in six games over the Stony Plain Eagles, taking uh, game six on Saturday, 10-3. Ryan Smith was back in Stony Plain's lineup for that game. Also congratulations to the Leduc Chrysler Oil Kings. They win the Alberta AAA Midget Hockey League, winning the final three games to one over the Foothills Bisons. Uh, 3-1 also the score in the clinching game for Leduc. So they're off to the TELUS Cup, uh, which is about a month away. So they got a bit of a break there until they got to get back to it. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Oilers and Kings coming up tomorrow night. 
We'll have the face-off show for you at 5.30. The game will start at 7. And, of course, a very simple scenario. The Oilers clinch and they make the playoffs for the first time since 2006. I was talking to Matt Hendricks about the possibility of getting it done. I think it's well known amongst everybody in this room, but we haven't really talked about it, which I kind of like. You know, I, I like where our mindset is right now. Is tomorrow's a hockey game and we want to win. We need the points. And, you know, we're looking at every game like that right now, which is which is great. And I think it's a team that's learned a lot over the course of the season, a team that's matured. And you know, kind of to answer your question about being where we sit right now, I'm very excited. You know, I'm proud of everybody in this room and, and what we've accomplished so far this season. And, um, I think the sky's the limit. I think we continue to get better and better each week, and you know, it's been a it's been a heck of a ride so far. And I look forward to you know to extending this season. Well, and that's probably the fun part. You know, obviously, you, it's nice to have that little X next to the team name that you've clinched. But I mean, number one seed in the Pacific is realistic. We're starting the playoffs at home is realistic. That's why I'm glad we're not just talking about playoffs because I think I think everybody in here has high aspirations for where this club can finish. And, you know, the ball's in our court. We just need to keep, continue to play well and win hockey games and, you know, see what happens along the way. But, yeah, that's definitely up there for grabs, and I don't see why we, why we shouldn't go after it. You know, you wind up in this situation. Uh, you had a five-game losing streak in November. That that was the roughest patch of the year. It's mm-hmm. it's been a very, you know, kind of even keel team and uh, mostly in, uh, more ups and downs throughout the year. What's caused that? I think starting the season out the way we did, you know, seven one and one or whatever it was. We kind of brought a little bit of life, a little more confidence into this group that, hey, we can play with anybody. Um, I give Connor a ton of credit for his leadership at such a young age. He's an easy play to f- player to follow, uh, easy teammate to follow. He's such a tremendous player on the ice, but, you know, when he voices his opinion amongst his peers in the room, it's, he's got great things to say. He's a, he's a team-first guy, and he... he, he he, he preaches what the coaches preach, and he gets everyone on the same page. So, I think that's uh, that's been a you know one of the one of the aspects of our game that has really taken off is that we've got this young all-star of a player, but he's come in and and he's focused on the team game and getting us better. That's definitely, in my opinion, number one where we've where we've improved. And Cam's played outstanding for us all year, but we're getting. To talk about the five-game losing streak, we've had lulls in the season, the four or five-game losing streaks that we get out of them early, we get out of them, and we kind of start a winning streak on the back end of it. And I think that's that's a big difference in our group this year as well. Sounds to me like you're emphasizing personality as much as talent, though. Absolutely. You know, I think we're a good team in terms of the room. We, we, we fight hard for each other. We play hard for each other. We practice hard with each other. We push each other to get better. There's a lot of competition for ice time and such. And and it's great. You know, everybody in here is uh, is a great teammate, and we're, and we're all working towards the same goal. All right, that is Matt Hendricks. Always uh, a very interesting interview. Certainly some high praise for the young captain, Connor McDavid, and, uh, you know, some insight into McDavid's effect on the team. And, you know, Hendricks basically saying, all right, he's incredibly talented. He, some nights he can go out there and seemingly do whatever he wants uh, on the ice. But it comes down to team first, following the coach's directions, and that's uh, created a very positive environment for the team this year, as has the fact. I mean, it's always interesting to me, and I'm going to talk to Kelly Rudy about this. He's going to be on the show in the next half hour. There's always that line between how much is attitude and how much is talent. I think you need a mix of both. There's no doubt that the Oilers have a better roster. 
even even without McDavid, they have better, more well-rounded players, a better mix of players than they've had in a long time. Um, but they seem to also have worked that attitude into the team where it's like, okay, we follow the coach's directions, we trust each other, we don't get down when things are going bad, and you know we keep we keep working through all the tough scenarios. So that that, that has made a difference. And Matt Hendricks, perhaps a, a perfect example of that in what he's been through is in his career as a whole. You know, a guy who was an underdog to make the NHL and now has has you know been able to craft out a pretty good career. And now even this year, he's in and out of the lineup, and he goes out there and works every day. And it looks like Hendricks will be back in action tomorrow night when they take on the Kings. He practiced on the left wing with Latestu down the middle and Drake Kajula down the right side. So uh, Jujar Kara, who rotated in on Saturday after missing the last game, he was on that quote-unquote fifth line today in practice with Anton Slepeshev and Iro Pakarinen. So if they go with that again tomorrow, they would be the healthy scratches. And again, on defense, Benning didn't practice. We'll see tomorrow if he's going to be able to go or uh, if Eric Griba remains in the lineup. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Lanny texting in with a message for Matt Hendricks. How about this? I don't know if Matt Hendricks is listening right now, but he says, uh, Hey, Matt, love you, man. I bought your jersey at the last game against Vancouver. In my books, you were the toughest oiler. You never back down and never give up. Stand-up guy. Would love to have three more just like you. There is uh, Lanny texting in with uh, a message for Matt Hendricks. And the Big L, always a unique texture to the program, says, Read departure and potential controversial remark slash question. As a parent throughout the regular season, do you think the reason we are seeing these lovely playoff beards on the likes of Burns, Thornton, Eves, etc., is because the league, represented by Bettman, insinuated that they didn't like all that facial hair? Reminds me of the uh, Simpsons uh, episode <laughs> where, where uh, Don Mattingly had to keep shaving his hair to please Mr. Burns, which was, of course, based on the real-life uh, Yankee policy of limited facial hair. But didn't Mattingly finally almost shave his head, like, up? He shaved his sideburns, then shaved a little bit above his ears. Mr. Burns was still unhappy. And uh, Ken Griffey Jr. started taking growth hormone. And who was it that was a tourist and fell into that vortex? Was that Ozzie Smith? Anyway, memories of old Simpsons episodes. I got a few of those. Uh, back to the sports talk. Kelly Rudy's going to join us after the 6.30 news, and we'll catch up with L.A. Kings broadcasting legend Bob Miller in his final season behind the mic. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. tuning in tonight 634 inside sports on 630 chad my name is reed wilkins oilers hockey in this time slot tomorrow we'll start with the face-off show at 5 30 the game against the la kings will start at seven jack michaels and bob stoffer will have the call oilers clinch a playoff spot if they win and uh, the last time the oilers were in the playoffs the broadcast crew would have been uh, rod phillips on the play-by-play and Morley Scott on the color commentary. Rod now uh, retired, though still attends several Oilers games a season. And Morley Scott here at 630 Chet is the uh, play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Eskimos. 
You can always text 63630. We're going to bring in Kelly Rudy in a couple of minutes here. But Lando texting in, he says, Reed, the best part of that Simpsons baseball episode had to be Bart doing the Daryl, Daryl, Daryl chant. Yes, thanks, Strawberry. We want home run homers. Daryl, 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 Daryl. Children, that's not very nice. Mom, they're professional athletes. They're used to this sort of thing. It rolls right off their backs. And, of course, then the picture of a single tear rolling down Daryl Strawberry's cheek. Warren Mulvey is our studio producer. i got to admit, I enjoy having you as the uh, studio producer because you're a very jovial human being. Well, thank you. I often see you chuckling or just enjoying, you know, a text or a phone call or an interview. That's very, very positive. I'm here. You, I might you, as well... You're a positive energy guy. Yes, I, I'm here. I might as well have a good time, right? That's a good point. Yeah. This texture says, oh, it's the big L again. Well, he can get two in one night. Reed, interesting watching the game Saturday night. At this time, the last few years, it has been some playoff-bound team playing the 29th or 30th place Oilers who were trying to avoid losing points to a team in the spoiler role. I'm ecstatic for the Oilers, but surely the Avalanche are better than that. Hope to see them playing in Edmonton in significant games this time next year. Too much talent for those kind of results. Uh, You know, somebody... um, who I would certainly trust when it comes to evaluating NHL talent, said to me uh, over the weekend that the Avalanche are three defensemen and a goalie from being pretty good. Just like, And then this person said, just like the Oilers were. And, you know, fair enough. Uh, now, McDavid's on another level. And, you know, and I... I'm not. I wasn't disagreeing with that other texture by saying yes. It, it, clearly, the Oilers got incredibly lucky to get McDavid, but I mean, so have other teams who have draft, drafted high. Um, but yeah, who who did the Oilers add? Cam Talbot been a pretty good goalie this year. Andre Sekera last summer. Adam Larson uh, this summer. Chris Russell just before the season started. Even Matthew Benning has has helped. So. Yeah, you add some. Uh, you add a goaltender. You add some D who can help you keep the puck out of your slot and get it out of your end. Then all of a sudden, maybe the forwards can go to work. I mean, Duchesne's a good player. That Ranton, and I think, is going to be really good for uh, Colorado. Landeskog, I thought I didn't notice him much, but I think that's still a pretty good player. Big guy. You know, he's got a big body. He can protect the puck and forecheck. But I mean, clearly, you look at Colorado. It was it, it the the whole thing. I mean, you could kind of see this come. Maybe not that they'd be this bad, but when your coach quits August 11th or or 12th, whatever it is, that's a pretty tough situation. Then you got to hire a first year NHL coach, Jared Bednar, stepping into that job, and things just spiral out of control. I I thought they worked pretty hard on Saturday, but Edmonton finished their chances better. Edmonton didn't play great Thursday in Colorado, but once you the Oilers got that Cassian goal, I think you could just sense it that the Colorado fell apart and they stopped checking, missed some back checks, and yeah, I mean the Big L is right. We've seen that for several years here with the Oilers. Unfortunately, late well not even late season games where the team wasn't good enough, couldn't compete in third periods or one thing would go wrong and it would be a game 1-1 one, one tie all of a sudden you lose 5-1 because you allow four goals in the last 25 minutes because you couldn't stem the tide 
Colorado should be better than that, but it has just gone really bad there. All right, Kelly Rudy getting ready to uh, work the Flames Avalanche game. I'm picking the Flames to win that one. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm great, Reed. Yourself? I'm doing very well. I know you're uh, getting ready to call the Flames and Avalanche tonight. Uh, I know what team I'm picking to win that game after seeing the Avalanche <laughs> a couple games in a row. Uh, we've seen uh, the Oilers in this uh, difficult situation. Calgary not as often, but they've had some tough years as well in the last five or six. Yep. Um, yeah. You could, I mean, maybe not so much on Saturday, but certainly that game the Oilers scored five goals in the third period on Thursday. You could almost see the switch go off for the Avalanche, where they were like, "Oh yeah, we're not going to win." You know, it just you yeah. can see them. You can see when they go away. Well, um, Scott Oak did an interview with uh, Nathan McKinnon uh, post game on Saturday, and if you were to see the face on McKinnon, you would know everything about their team. If you didn't watch the game and you looked at his facial expression and the the tone of his discussion, um, his face, it told you everything about their season. And you feel badly for that, for those guys. I mean, that's not what they envisioned. They got off to what I would say a great start. They won three of their first four games, and then all of a sudden you're like, what happened? We have only won one game in 2017. And, and I would say that some of their efforts have been – Maybe they should have been a little bit uh, rewarded more than that, but that's just how it goes. And that, they're going to have to look at everything in that uh, organization and, and potentially blow it up because it's just not working. Well, it's an interesting time of year because you get teams like that where, you know, as, as much as you, you hope players are always going to give the maximum effort, uh, you know, moments where it's like, oh, I don't know, really know if I need to take a hit to get that puck out, right? As opposed, yeah. as opposed to a team like the Oilers, who are now in an opposite situation of, of where they've been for the last 10 years, where, I mean, they're, they're going to clinch, whether it happens tomorrow or later in the week. And, and they're fighting for positioning. And, and you called it invigorating last week. But, uh, I mean, t- if, if they go out there and get it done tomorrow, is that another little small step, another test passed for the team to do it as quick as possible? Yes, absolutely. And another, another reason to be extremely proud of yourself and your teammates for uh, turning it around completely this year. And, and they earned it. It's not like they snuck up on anybody. It's not like uh, people weren't expecting a good team because of uh, you know, some of their players. So this is a team that went out there, and you and I have talked all season long, once a week, and even when there were some times, lean times, you and I were both basically on the same page saying, no, I think this is a different team. I think that they're going to overcome every obstacle. And uh, we sit here today, and that is has been proven by that group of players and their coaching staff. Talk to Matt Hendricks today, who's, as you know, Kelly, a, a veteran with really good perspective, really well-spoken, and, and a great work ethic. But he really praised McDavid today. He said he may be young, but he's a leader. And he has all this talent, but he preaches what the coaches preach, and he preaches team first. Just your perspective on how important it is for your most talented player also to be your most bought-in player, if you want to use that term. Uh, That's the only way you're going to have any kind of success. Even, let's just say, let's turn it around a little bit. Your best player has to be on board with what the coach is saying, even if the coach is wrong. Because... um, then the onus is on the coach. 
then the organization's going to recognize that, hey, the players are only doing what the coach is asking. And if it's not working, then the onus goes back to the coach. So a smart player, young or old, will follow his coach no matter what he believes in because sometimes you, you, you're you're kind of going into it blind, but you've got to trust in what the coach is saying and believes and and hopefully it's the right message and everybody else buys in and then you have a winning season like the uh, Oilers are having. Kelly, Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. I always love that discussion about what makes a team click because, you know, there's so many different ways it can happen. But, you know, Hendricks did say, too, I specifically asked him, I said it almost seems like you're emphasizing personality as much as talent. And I never want to underestimate talent, Kelly, because I got a great attitude about my, about my golf game, but I still stink. But, 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 oh, I love that analogy. I got to remember that one. But, but maybe, I mean, does that, uh, does that put a team over the top or can that separate two really good teams uh, if, there's a, if there's a better attitude or a better mesh of personality? And I'll use a different word than personality, but it's the exact same thing that you're talking about. How about swagger? When I look at guys, and whether it's at the morning skate or coming into the game, certain guys carry themselves in a way like their chin's just held a little bit higher than others. They they look like they're uh, believing themselves more than other guys. You know, some guys walk in, and they're, you just don't really know if they believe in their team or their teammates. You know, their head's down a little bit. Their shoulders are kind of hunched over a little bit. And I do think body language uh, gives off who you are to a certain degree and what your team's doing. And I I see nothing but positive body language from that group uh, in Edmonton. Well, and I've enjoyed watching them practice over the last almost two full seasons and, uh, you know, what Todd McClellan does and, th- and things you can see them work on in practice, then you actually see executed in a game. And that's always fun for me to, to get that, you know, pattern and, and, and to sort of expect things like, okay, I saw this in practice. I wonder if I'll see it the next day in the game. Look, we're starting to get a lot of calls uh, to Inside Sports and to Rob and I in overtime open line. Todd McClellan. Jack Adams, Coach of the Year. There are certainly some other great candidates. Where do you see him in that race? This year might be one of the toughest uh, in recent memory, Reed. And I am one of the guys, I I have the uh, luxury of voting on this award. And to me, this year might be the most difficult I've had in a long time. Because usually when I'm filling out my ballot, it doesn't take me very long, quite frankly, to fill out the top three candidates. This one I'm looking at... Uh, I think of there's three top candidates in the West. It's Todd McClellan, it's Glenn Gullickson, and Joel Quenville. And the reason I'm throwing Quenville in there as well, because he's got some star-studded players or star players. But some of his roster doesn't look that good either. And for them to be in that position, I give him a lot of credit. And then out East, I'm going with uh, uh, Barry Trotz. John Tortorella, I mean, Trotz has seen Washington. They've only lost 17 times. In today's NHL with parity, that's ridiculous. Uh, Mike Sullivan, and further down the list, uh, I'm going to go with Vigneault, but I think that's a real long shot. But but my two, oh, and, and Guy Boucher, he's in there. So I'm going my top candidates, though, are Todd, Glenn Gullickson, and Barry Trotz. I think you can't go wrong with any of those guys. They've all three of them done a wonderful job. And my dark horse would be Guy Boucher because I never saw this coming from that lineup as well. And considering the injuries they've had also. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Kelly, 
you know, there's a, and you went through this as a player, and I know most of the most of the years, you know, you were on pretty good teams that were bound for the playoffs. We we always like to talk about peaking at the right time, and you know, being hot going into the playoffs. And we could sit here and look at every playoff year and say, oh yeah, that team did it. But then sometimes there are years where it's like, well, man, that team stunk in the last stunk in the last month, and then they went to the third round or to the Stanley Cup final. But it's interesting yeah. with San Jose. Uh, having lost six in a row, and Anaheim and Edmonton doing a little better, and certainly LA had their or Calgary had their uh, streak, though now that's evened out a little bit. But they're still right in the fight there. I mean, when you were a player, did you remember thinking, okay, I got I got a peak, I got a peak middle of April, or, or what are the teams actually going through as they as they head towards the playoffs here? Well, that was always the discussion. So you sort of uh, focus. I'm going to say. After the All-Star game, that's when games become extremely important, extremely exciting. There's lots on the line. You can see the finish line ahead. But my date really was March when I really felt like I needed to be playing my best. It certainly didn't guarantee uh, any success, especially the first round is always the toughest. So sometimes, no matter how great you're feeling individually and as, as a team, sometimes you just come across a team that... Man, they're they're just peaking right at the right time. They've got the perfect uh, environment for some reason. I can think of uh, 1988, the the year after the Easter epic. So we're pretty experienced uh, New York Islanders team, and we're in transition. So we weren't the team that had won four Stanley Cups, but we've got some pretty good young players, uh, Brent Sutter, and and the list goes on. And we basically, if I remember correctly, we roared into the playoffs. And unfortunately, though, for us, we met the New Jersey Devils, and they had a young goalie in Sean Burke, and they had this really young, excited team. And we were kind of confused because we're trying to recapture what we had last year and not just going out there and, and recreating. And we got beat in the first round, and it was a real lesson for us that uh, first round so difficult. But trust me, Reed. You, you might still stumble a little bit. There's no other way I'd rather go into the playoffs than than on a roll. It's awfully difficult when you're questioning yourself and your teammates to to turn around. It's been done, and I've been on a couple teams where we've had limited success in the first round anyways going into it that way, but it, it's awfully difficult. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, it's fun we're talking about it. Uh, who knows what the standings are going to look like when we talk next week, Kelly. This is fun, man. Enjoy the game tonight. Okay, pal, I'll talk to you next week. Kelly Rudy getting ready to rock and roll. He has the Flames and the Avalanche tonight on Sportsnet. Give you your full scoreboard when we get back. Drew's View texting in. He says, Reed, I'll be honest, I had the Oilers at about 20th overall this year. Well, I would have had them probably in the same ballpark. I thought they'd have 38 wins, maybe miss the playoffs by, I don't know, 4, 6, 8. They exceeded my expectations. I am fine with that. 650 Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. This texter says, Reed, did you see the look on the faces of the Avalanche bench after the Zach Cassian goal on Thursday? The look of disgust was one I'm used to seeing on the Oilers bench in years past. Inside Sports on 630 Chet, it is 654. Time to check your scoreboard for Crystal Glass for all your glass needs. Call 310-GLASS today. 
So I mentioned the Flames and the Avalanche coming up at 7-4-1. Chicago taking it to Tampa Bay. That's uh, about halfway through the second period. After the first, no score between the Coyotes and the Blues. The Predators are up 2-1 on the Islanders. That's after 40 minutes. The uh, Blues are the second wildcard team. They're a point behind Nashville for third in the Central. So that's another little race to keep an eye on. Sabres 4, Panthers 2. That is through 40 minutes. Red Wings and Hurricanes are tied 2-2. That is also through 40 minutes. That's your NHL action tonight. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Uh, 5.30 face-off show tomorrow. Oilers and Kings. The game will start at 7. Uh, then the Oilers have San Jose on Thursday and Anaheim on Saturday. So a big week, not just for the Oilers to clinch a playoff spot, but to jockey for playoff positioning. Would be cool for them to uh, obviously finish as high as possible. Maybe even get first in the Pacific Division. That would be really cool. You've probably seen the stories out there about the 2018 Grey Cup. Now, teams don't formally announce applications, but uh, it's widely believed that Calgary and Edmonton have applied to host the 2018 Grey Cup. Edmonton has not hosted since 2010. Eskimos President and CEO Len Rhodes. Yeah, in general, we we're definitely interested here in Edmonton to host the Grey Cup. Let's be totally honest about that. Who wouldn't be interested in hosting a Grey Cup? We last hosted in 2010. Uh, we'd be very interested. Now, specifically about 2018, I can't comment on that because it uh, wouldn't be uh, fair to the rest of the uh, governors at the league level. But uh, I can definitely say that the Edmonton Eskimos are interested in hosting a Grey Cup in the near future. Uh, we know that we can do it pretty well, as good or better than any other market, because of a few factors. We have the great facilities. We have an engaged fan base, and we have a host of volunteers that always step up to get involved. So those are key success factors. So, yes, we're very interested. So, yeah, without Len Rhodes giving uh, any any details, um, I would... Uh, let me just put it this way. I would expect the Eskimos to be awarded the 2018 Grey Cup probably sometime around the start of this CFL season. Everything I've been led to believe is that... The Calgary Stampeders are applying for the Grey Cup in 2018 simply so they don't get it. Because as you probably know the story, I mean, the Flames own the Stampeders, right? And they're trying to get a new hockey arena with a football stadium all built into it, right? It's the Calgary Next project. McMahon Stadium is not a good stadium. So I think they want to fail in their bid to get the Grey Cup so they can go to city council and be like, well, go, well we're never going to host the Grey Cup unless we get a new stadium. So I think it's a slam dunk the Grey Cup's going to be here in 2018. That's my uh, bold prediction for the evening. All right, this is going to be great. We'll catch up with one of the broadcasting legends in the NHL, Bob Miller, been calling Kings games since 1973. He's next on Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. 
Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.